Good morning. We're going to go ahead and get started with our scripture reading this morning. If you can make your way to your seats. I hope everyone survived the snow and ice. Kind of a crazy week. We're glad to be back and in our new building. All right. We're going to read Romans 15, 1 through 6. Now we who are strong and have an, have an obligation to bear the witness of those without strength and not to please ourselves. Each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, it, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever is written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. Now may God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in, har in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who with one mind and one voice. Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Good, good. So uh, for those of you who don't know me or who might be new, uh, my name is Caleb Cabe. I'm the um, assistant pastor here at Reconcile. And normally uh, we would have Will preaching to us, but he is gone at a prayer retreat in Colorado. And so if you could just keep him in your prayers that God would speak to him during this time when he's away um, and that he would give him direction for the church going into 2022. Um, so yeah. Let's pray real quick, and then I'm going to jump in uh, to the sermon. Lord, I pray that the, the words I say this morning would be your words. I pray that you would give me um, clarity, that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit so that I can speak with power. Lord, I pray that you would um, fill all of us with your Spirit so that we could understand your word, that we would um, have power to apply it in our lives. Um, and I pray that you would be glorified this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I, I'm 24 years old. I'm kind of young. Um, but for 22 years of my life, I've had a roommate. There was only two years in my life where I didn't have a roommate. Um, and if anyone who's ever had a roommate, you can understand that sometimes it can be difficult having a roommate. Sometimes it's a blessing, but sometimes it's difficult as well. Because when you live with someone, you see everything about their life. You see the good parts, you see the bad parts, and you also begin to notice differences between the way you would do something and the way someone else would do something. And so this became very apparent to me for the first time uh, when I was in college. I went to college and I had a roommate for the first time who was not a family member. And I was like, wow you are so different from me. Because when you grow up in a family, um, for the most part, you think the same way, you do the same kinds of things, and what's considered normal in your family is normal. But then when you go to be with someone else who's not in your family, their family does other things that they think are normal, and you do things that you think are normal, and they're different from one another. And this can cause frustration because your backgrounds are different. Well, the church is supposed to be a family as well. But the problem is that we all come from different backgrounds in our church. We have different families. We have different ways of thinking and viewing the world. And so sometimes that can cause friction. 
And Paul wrote the letter of Romans to a multi-ethnic church in Rome. So there's this church in Rome, and they're made up of people of all different backgrounds and cultures. And when they were united together in Christianity and following Jesus, there began to be friction because they all came from different places, and they had different views and different traditions, different cultures. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, it's appalling that the most segregated hour of Christian America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And for the most part, that is true in America. But I think in our church, we have a unique, op- a unique opportunity to apply this scripture because we can relate with the church in Rome that Paul was writing to because we have people in our church from different cultures, different bath- backgrounds. And so this morning, my hope is that we would uniquely um, identify with this church and that we would apply these principles that Paul is giving to this church in our church here. So let me pray again, then we're going to break down the text. Lord, I pray that, um, that you would just speak in a mighty way this morning. Lord, I pray that, that you would get me out of the way, that you would... Um, not let me mess up the message that you have for us this morning. I pray that you would speak through your word and that you would um, give us extra grace with one another and that we would be able to um, love each other and serve each other the way this passage is talking about. Lord, I want to see that in our church, and you can do it by your spirit. So would you do that um, this morning and, and in the future? Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the first principle that we see in the text is that in the midst of disagreements, we have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of others. Look at verse 1, chapter 15. It says, Now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. So as I I was giving you some context before, but the context is there's this multi-ethnic church and they're they're Christians in Rome. They were having arguments amongst themselves about whether they should eat meat sacrificed to idols and whether they should celebrate certain festivals. And so there's this one group of people who are saying, we have freedom in Christ. We've been forgiven. The law has um, has no hold on us anymore. And we're free to do these things if we do it to the glory of God. And then there's this other group of people who are saying, no, we've been set apart, we're a holy people, and so we should abstain from these things so that we can, we can be holy. The, the truth is that these were just culturally different. The, the scriptures weren't, weren't saying you should do one thing or the other, it was just they grew up in different cultures and backgrounds, and so they did things differently. This is like some grow up in church where church is supposed to be a solemn place where you are silent and you are, are like kind of serious, taking it serious. But then other people grow up in church and it's supposed to be a celebration, like a, a celebratory time where you think about the gospel and what God has done and that brings joy. And the truth is that neither one is wrong in and of themselves. That yes, we should take seriously the hearing and the preaching of the word and, and, and the God that we've come to worship. But at the same time, when we hear of the good news of the gospel, it should bring about joy in our hearts and that joy should come out in expression. That we need both. And so we need to know when is a time 
when we should say this is just different and it's okay that we're different? And when is a time when we say, well, it's different, but it's, it's wrong and, and we shouldn't do that? And so we need to know the difference between the essentials and the non-essentials of the faith. I, I uh, enjoyed going backpacking before, before I had a kid. It would be different with a kid. But um, I, if you don't know what backpacking is, backpacking is where you take all of the stuff that you need to go camping, you put it on your back, and you hike multiple miles a day throughout the woods, and, and maybe you go like four or five days or something like that. When you're backpacking, you only take the essentials. Because everything that you take with you, you're going to have to carry with you. And so when I was going backpacking, I would bring something to sleep in. Uh, For me, I would bring a hammock, but some people might bring a small tent or something like that. I needed something to eat, so I would bring some dried food that I could boil some water and cook up. I needed um, something to make fire with. And so I only brought the essentials that I needed. I like having an extension cord at my house, but it wouldn't make sense to bring an extension cord with me backpacking because it wouldn't be any good in the woods. So there's things that are good that you like to have that are nice to have, but they're not the essentials. This is what we need to figure out today is that there's some things that are very clear in the text. These are the essential doctrines that we must believe. And then there are other things that are less clear that you could say, "Mm, I don't necessarily agree with you, but I can see how you came to that conclusion. Thankfully, we're not the first Christians who have ever lived. There's a long history of Christians for thousands of years. And for thousands of years across the globe, Christians have agreed on some essential doctrines. It's the Apostles' Creed. These are the doctrines that that people all across the globe for thousands of years, all Christians have believed these things are true. And that's why we as a church say the Apostles' Creed week after week because we want to know what are the essential doctrines that I must believe to be a Christian. And now this scripture is not saying that there's no such thing as right and wrong. Because Paul, he uses the words strong and weak. He's like, you who are strong, bear with the weaknesses of others. And that's just his nice way of saying, y'all who are right, be nice to the people who are wrong. He's saying there's, there's right and there's wrong, but we should, we should, we have an obligation to bear with those people, to be patient with them, to not condemn them, to not cast them away. Some things are right, some things are wrong, And then other things are just different. And we should bear with one another. And Paul's command here is to bear with those who differ from us, even if they are wrong. Even if they're wrong. We have an obligation as Christians to bear with people, even when they're wrong. This means that cancellation is not Christ-like. To throw someone out because they believe something or because... um, They have this certain point of view or they did this certain thing. That's not Christ-like. We have a command from Scripture. It's an obligation to bear with one another, to be patient with one another, to be long-suffering with one another, to put others' needs before our own. We can still discern between what is right and what is wrong. We can discern between this is helpful or this is harmful. But we should never cancel someone because of a thing that they did or a thing that they believe. 
And when we have people from different backgrounds in a room together, disagreements are bound to happen. Conflict is to be expected. If there are disagreements, it's going to bring up conflict. But conflict is an opportunity for spiritual growth. I'm going to say that again. Conflict is an opportunity for spiritual growth. A lot of times in the church, we have this idea that all conflict is bad. Like conflict is this thing that the world does, and we don't want any part of conflict. But when we avoid conflict, all it does is create a false sense of peace. If, you, if there is a problem and you are not addressing it, it doesn't mean the problem has gone away. It's just that you're not addressing it, and it'll come up at a later time. So we as Christians should be, we should be so comfortable with conflict because it's, it's biblical. It builds us up. When there are differences of opinions, the Spirit uses that to, to speak to us sometimes. Because sometimes I can have an opinion that's wrong. And I need brothers and sisters around me saying, well, I, I can see how you came to that, but I disagree and this is why. I need that and you need that. Conflict can build us up. It's like in, in, in the scripture it says that iron sharpens iron. We like that verse, but when, when you really think about that, when iron is sharpening iron, there are sparks, and it's painful. It's, it's two pieces of iron beating against one another. And this is the picture of conflict, that, that it's necessary because it sharpens us, but it's painful, and no one enjoys it during the moment. And also, all of our decisions should be motivated by love for our neighbor, especially our Christian neighbor. Let's look at verse 2. It says, Each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. So we are free in Christ. We have been forgiven of all of our sins. Jesus came, he lived the perfect life that we should have lived, and he died on the cross bearing the consequences for our sins. And because of that, we are now seen as righteous, as holy, even though we have a track record of sin. Jesus has taken that upon himself. But this freedom in Christ gives us the brain space that we need to think of our neighbor. Because we're not worried anymore about, is, does God like me? Is he mad at me? Is, am, am I doing the right thing here? We have the capacity to start thinking about others and what they need. Sometimes we ask the question, should I do this? Is it against the Bible? And that's not a bad question, but it's not a complete question. Just because something is not against, just because something is lawful, doesn't mean that it's good for our neighbor. The question that we should be asking is, yes, is it against the Bible? Does the Bible prohibit this? But also, is this good for my neighbor? Is this serving myself or others? Is this me putting other need, others' needs before my own? Because every decision that we make has, has consequences and effects on the people around us. We're not just living in a, in a silo by ourselves, but everything that we do affects the people around us. One time Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, the the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor 
as yourself. So first, we are asking, does this honor the Lord? Am I serving the Lord? Is this motivated by love for God? But that's not the only question that we ask. We also ask, is this serving our neighbor? Is this motivated by love for my neighbor or love for myself? We need to ask the question, does this build up my neighbor? And if it's not building up your neighbor, then we don't need to do it. And we don't, we don't simply have, have commands in the scriptures without, without examples. So Jesus is the perfect example of not pleasing himself. Although he was in heaven, he, he had everything you can imagine. He, did, he left the riches of heaven to come to earth. Let's read verse 3. It says, For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Self-sacrifice is the default setting for those who follow Jesus. If you follow Jesus, you are in the, you are in the mode of self-sacrifice. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus left the comforts of heaven to put on flesh. When he was on the earth, he grew up in a poor family. He was homeless during his ministry. He grew up on the wrong side of town. When people saw Jesus, they were like, isn't this Jesus from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? His family left him. His followers left him. When he was betrayed, his disciples abandoned him. He was ridiculed. He was mocked. And he chose to identify with us in our sin, even though he was perfect. That even though he had the perfect track record, he would lay that aside so that we could get that record and that he would bear the punishment that our sin deserved. His scriptures say that he became sin who knew no sin so that through him we would become the righteousness of God. We have the opportunity to be declared righteous because of Jesus' self-sacrifice, because he thought of others before himself. That he was, lay, uh, he was willing to lay aside his desires and his needs for others. And if the one that we follow, if the one that, that we look up to and say, this is the one who I follow, if, he was, if his life was marked by self-sacrifice for the good of others, then how much more should ours? And so we ask the question, what should we do? What does it look like to sacrifice for others? How, how do I know if I should do this or do that? Will the scriptures guide our decisions? Look at verse 4. It says, Whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we would have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. The scriptures are our instructions on what is right and what is wrong. Without the scriptures, we have no measure to know what is right from wrong. The scriptures, they have to be our measure for morality. It can't be, does everyone like this thing? Or does everyone agree with this? Because our culture parades sin as right and beautiful. If you just look at the top 50 songs on Spotify or the radio or whatever, whatever you listen to, it's promoting violence, it's promoting drugs. 
We need the scriptures to know what is good for our neighbor. Because sometimes we don't know what is good for our neighbor. Sometimes our neighbor doesn't know what's good for our neighbor. But the scriptures tell us what is good and what is right. When we read the scriptures, God physically gives us endurance to sacrifice for the good of others. That's the, that's the promise in this text. In 1 Timothy, it says that scripture is God-breathed. That's mean, that means when we are reading the scripture, God is as near to us. It's like we can feel his breath on our face. That is how near he is to us. That's how he speaks to us through his word. And it says that in verse 5 that the God who gives endurance and encouragement. How does he give us an endurance and encouragement? Well, verse 4 says, through the scriptures. So through the scriptures, when we are reading them, we are, first of all, encountering Jesus. We are encountering God through the scriptures that he is tangibly speaking to us. And he is also empowering us to do the things that the scriptures tell us we ought to do. It also gives us encouragement. This week I was reading in the CBR journal and we're, we're it's talking about Abraham and his covenants, God's covenants with him. And so Abraham, he's promised a son, but he's really old and time is going on. And he's like, God, I don't even know if you're going to give me a son. This is the only heir that I have. And he's not my son. He's just a servant of mine. And so what am I supposed to do? And it says he was waiting, he was discouraged. Well then, I don't remember what verse, but it says, the word of the Lord came to Abram. And God came and he, he spoke to Abram and then he gave him a covenant. And I was thinking to myself, as I re read this, I don't have to wait for a word from the Lord anymore. Because he has already given us his word. We have a word from the Lord that we can look to anytime. And so when we are discouraged, we don't have to wait for a word. We can receive a word because he's given us the text. And we also see in examples of self-sacrifice in the scriptures. We see that it's something that we should expect to do as Christians because over and over and over again in the text, we see people sacrificing what they would want for others. We see Jesus sacrificing. We see his disciples sacrificing for the good of others. We hear the words of Jesus. He says, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That following Jesus is marked by self-denial. Denial of what I want to do. But we also see in Scripture the rewards. That it says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the suffering of the cross. That we have this promised joy set before us if only we would endure to the end. If we would endure the suffering, the ridicule, the sacrifice, we have this promised joy set before us. And Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who bear with others. For they will be called sons of God. 
And so there's this picture here, and it, it sounds amazing in, in verses 5 and 6. It says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another, according to Jesus Christ, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. It's saying that living in harmony brings glory to God. That when we have different types of people in a room together, in unity, this brings glory to God. This is the picture that we want to see in the church. This is the, the why we bear with one another. Because it brings glory to God when we live in harmony with one another. When we have unity in the midst of vast differences, that is the greatest display of the power of God. When we have people in the same room who are from different backgrounds, different ages, different ethnicities, different families, all worshiping the same God together, this speaks volumes to the world because it doesn't happen on its own. We need the power of God for this to happen, for this crazy kind of unity. But it's not just unity for the sake of unity because we can be all fully united in sin. And that's not a good thing. That's why we need the scriptures. We need to be saturated in the scriptures so that we can have true biblical unity, that we can be united in our pursuit of Jesus. And if we are all pursuing Jesus together and we are seeking his instruction through his word, then all of the details can be worked out as we go along. As I, um, as I was thinking about um, my wife the other day, we've been married four years, um, and we, we got married very quickly, but I remember thinking before we got married if, if I wanted to marry her or not, just asking these questions in my head. And so we, we got married really quickly. We didn't know each other very well. But the one thing that I was sure about her was that she loved the Lord and that she was pursuing him. That's one thing that I was like, I know she is pursuing the Lord. And I know that I'm pursuing the Lord. And so if we continue on this path of pursuing the Lord together, then all the things that we disagree on, and there's a lot, will be worked out as we go along, if we are pursuing the Lord together. And that's my hope for the church, not that we would be married to each other, but that we would be pursuing the Lord together, walking forward, and that as the problems come up, as the disagreements arise, which there will be many, that we would keep our eyes focused on Jesus, focused on his word, focused on his instruction, and that all the details would be worked out as we bear with one another walking towards Jesus. And so that requires us to be in the scriptures, like actually be in the scriptures. And we have a church reading plan for, for reading the scriptures, the CBR journal. Right now we're in Genesis and Luke. And so you can just jump in. There's an app that you can download. You can get it on the computer. You could get a physical copy. There's, there's ways that you can continually be in scripture. 
And another tangible thing we can do is repeat the Apostles' Creed together because these are the essential things that we must agree on. And so everything else outside of that, that's the details that we can work out. But we have to agree on those. And so as a church, every week we read the Apostles' Creed together. That's why we do it, so we would know these are the essential things that we must believe. And my prayer is that as we seek the Lord, all the details will be worked out. So let's pray. Lord, you are good, you are holy and righteous, and you sacrificed for us. Thank you that you laid down your life for us so that we would be saved. Lord, you are so generous to us. Help us to have um, to display the same kind of generosity that you showed us to one another, that we would be bearing with one another in our disagreements, that we would be laying aside our preferences for our neighbors. And Lord, would you, would you empower us by the Spirit to do this? Lord, we need your help. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.